630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. The Edmonton Oilers have called up defenseman Dylan Simpson from the Bakersfield Condors. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Simpson, 25 years of age. He's Craig Simpson's kid. 56 games with Bakersfield this season. He has 17 points drafted by the Oilers back in 2011 in the fourth round, 92nd overall. Oilers banged up on defense. Clefbaum done for the year. Sekra left the game with the injury uh, yesterday. Russell has missed the last two games. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the morning skate tomorrow to see if it looks like Simpson is going to be in. NHL action tonight. Boston up up in front of Columbus, 3-2. That's early in the third period. Riley Nash has his 15th of the season. Predators leading the Sabres 2-0, five minutes into the third. Florida is up 1-0 in Montreal. Five minutes left in the second period there. And L.A. leads Minnesota 1-0 early in the second period. Tanner Pearson with his 15th of the season. Flames and Coyotes coming up later on tonight. So L.A. in action. They hold down the second and final wildcard spot. In the Western Conference, 84 points. Dallas also has 84, but with the tiebreaker, they're out because L.A. has a game in hand on Dallas. St. Louis still hanging around with 83. They're one point out. And then the Flames with 80. So with nine games to go, I mean, Calgary's uh, probably looking at having to go 7-2, and 8-1, and 7-1-1 and one to uh, get into the postseason. All right, excuse me. I had to sneeze there, so shut my mic off. <laughs> All right. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. I will uh, get to some texts here later on this half hour. We are uh, hoping to be joined by Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley right away. I know I was uh, promoting that interview. He was scheduled to join us at 7.05, so hopefully we get Mike right away. In the interim, I mentioned I went to the airport today. U of A Golden Bears coming back. Stefan Legault, his second national title. He was also named the MVP of the University Cup. It's hard to put into words. I think it's just uh, excitement. Um, just something that you work so hard all year from right from the get-go, and you grind. I mean, we don't play that many games uh, like you would in, the, in June or anything like that, but uh, with school and practices and workouts, you work hard every week and work hard for Friday, Saturday, and and just battle to, to gain points. And it's a grind. And then when you finally, like we were talking on the plane here, to, uh, jumping over the boards with with your teammates, just just such a great feeling. So so much fun. Saskatchewan's your most hated rival. I don't think the word hate is a is an overstatement. There, they got you down two nothing in the third period, and then still two one relatively late. How were you able to pull that one out? Uh, we talked a lot in the room. We we had a, a bad start in the first. We didn't play. They outworked us. And then we thought we played really well in the second. We just didn't really get rewarded. So we talked about staying positive on the bench, uh, coming out, being urgent, but uh, not panicking. 
and just trusting and believing that if we kept doing good things, uh, we'd be able to find the back of the net. And got a big goal from Philippe to start us off there, and then from there on, I think we just started rolling. Once we tied it, uh, I just had a feeling, everyone had a feeling on the bench that we were going to win it, so it was pretty exciting. And then 2 nothing again, a lot earlier in the game. And I thought you guys started the game well against the NFX. Their goalie, who was goalie of the year, made some good saves. They got a breakaway. It's in. How did you stay positive in that situation? I don't know. I mean, national finals, uh, you have nothing to save it for. Uh, we've been in the same situation the day before, so we knew that we just had to work hard and good things would happen. Um, and then, like I said, once just like the Saski game, once we got that first one, we kind of got the nerves out. We started rolling, and then I think from that point on, we, we really took over the game and uh, saw the result. It's uh, 16th national championship. Will Tomchuk wasn't a regular with you guys. It's only his second university goal. What do you think of him getting the winner? Oh, it's awesome. It's uh, obviously any goal the bench is going to go crazy, but uh, just shows um, you know, a guy like Will, like you said, not always a regular, but always just worked his worked his bag off uh, every day in practice, and it's kind of you know the next guy up mentality we had. You know, suspension. Uh, and you know, an injury, and, and Will steps in whenever he was called upon. Did an awesome job, and it's really uh, it's great to see him get rewarded for all of his hard work and uh, score the the golden goal, of course. All right, you're going to be able to get back to school and focus on class. Uh, it'll be hard. We'll have to enjoy the uh, enjoy this for a little bit, but obviously missing a week of school, uh, you got to get back to the grind for that too. Stefan Legault, MVP of the University Cup for the victorious U of A Golden Bears. It is 7-11. We'll call a quick timeout. We're trying to connect with Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, how fitting is that? So next time we uh, book Mike Riley on the show, we'll give him the right call-in number. So he has it on time instead of 10 minutes late. Mike, sorry about that. How's it going? <laughs> no problem, man. You know, I was going to actually leave you like a 10-minute voicemail and see if you ever listened to it. But uh, I, I don't know. I didn't expect you to give out your personal cell phone number. I mean, I don't know. For the right price, I might have to tweet that out. That is, well, the number you're calling is actually my desk, and it's very close to the studio line we have here. So that, that those those numbers were and and here's the modern the amazing modern technology. I'm about well, you've been in the studio here. My desk is 50 feet from the studio, probably not even. When I miss a phone call, I get an email automatically telling me what number called me. So I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh, I think Mike Riley's calling my desk instead of the studio. So anyway. Oh yeah, well, I figured I'd get a hold of you somehow, one way or another. We got you on the line. How, how's uh, how's we appreciate you, of course, coming on in the off season. Uh, how's life? Are you in in the middle of uh, heavy training now, or what are you up to? Yeah, for sure, life's good, man. Um, yeah, this is kind of the the meat and potatoes of the off season training, at least my personal schedule. You know, I I generally take December off and then. Uh, start getting back into it January and then February, March, April is, is really when, you know, the weight training and conditioning is when I'm hitting it the hardest. So I'm definitely kind of in the dog days of that, but uh, I'm actually sitting at the airport right now uh, waiting to catch a flight to Winnipeg for uh, the, the Mark CFL week. So, um, you know, this is going to be a nice little, nice little break from the training um, to still do some football related stuff. 
Well, CFL week, they obviously had that last year as well, and uh, I, I was wondering about that because when you win MOP, I imagine that's something that they expect you uh, to, to go to. What's the what's the best part for you? That is it is it seeing opponents away from the field and getting to know them as people? Is it is it getting to mingle with fans maybe on a little more casual basis? What do you like most about CFL week? It's kind of all of the above. Um, you know, this is kind of right in the middle of the off season. So, um, in terms of guys on other teams, you know, I I haven't seen them. They haven't seen me. Um, you know, in in three months, and it's just kind of good to connect back with the league a little bit. It's great to see uh, the opponents. Um, you know, and 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 see them in a setting where you're not on a field playing against them because you know we're all kind of enemies when when the game's being played but uh it's cool to get to know their personalities um you know when things are a little bit more casual and then the other side of it too to see the fans um, you know you see fans from from all the teams represented uh during these types of activities and it's, it's always a lot of fun you know you can that people are ready for football to get started back up so um you know it's just a, it's a great reminder of what we got waiting for us uh you know i would normally say in june but I think we're starting our training camp in May this year. So, um, you know, it's coming up quick, but uh, this is a nice little midway point for us. Earlier start to the season, it's now 18 games spread over 21 weeks instead of 20. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi spearheading the change to uh, add a bye week. How do you look at that, Mike? Uh, a third bye week, so uh, another week of rest, or is that another week to uh, lose momentum and, and maybe get rusty? How do you look at it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things going to it. I mean, um, some guys look at, at it as another week that they're not going to get paid. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't get paid for bye weeks, you get paid for games. So that's another week of work uh, that's unpaid for, in some guys' opinions. Uh, all jokes aside, um, you know, I think it's good. Uh, it's good for the guys that need that week to be able to get healthy. You know, I've always said that our games are the best when the best players are healthy and they're out there on the field. So any additional time to kind of get the body rested up and make sure that the you know the top guys are out there on the field that's a good thing. Um, you know, I don't I don't really look at the the bye weeks as times where you can gain or lose uh, you know momentum. I've seen. I've, I've been on on teams where we've carried right through. You know, we in 2015 when we won the cup, we had two bye weeks at the end. Of, we had the regular season the last week of the regular season. We had a bye, and then we had a bye in the in the West Semi. So we didn't play for almost a month, and we came out and played, probably played our best game of the season in the West Final. So you know, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, you know, when you got veteran guys on your team, you should be able to to figure out how to get through a bye week without losing any of that momentum. Um, it's another week for the coaching staffs to be able to game plan and and you know again it just i think in terms of the preparation and and the health of the players it, it helps us really to put the best product that we can out there on the field so i think that's a good thing for everybody mike riley joining us on inside sports tonight you know uh since we last talked there were free agents come and gone. There were trades made. Two fan favorites who have left Edmonton were Darius Bowman and Odell Willis. They were also known for their uh, for being veterans and for being very outgoing. Will their absence change anything you have to do leadership-wise or in the locker room, Mike? Um, yes and no. I mean, it doesn't change. It doesn't change what I'm going to have to do during the season um, because that slack is going to get picked up by other people 
um, younger guys that are ready to kind of take over those roles. So that's kind of where, you know, it changes for me is that it just uh, puts me in a position where I need to have, um, and I already have had some conversations with some of the younger guys that maybe throughout their career so far haven't really been put in a position where they're expected to step up and be one of those leader type guys. Um, you know, but now they're going to be expected to fill that void. So, like I said, I've, I've had conversations with a number of guys, um, you know, and we'll continue to make sure that they're prepared and ready to go. You know, it's just an added element that they're going to have to be prepared for during training camp. But, uh, you know, that, that's that's what happens when you have veteran guys that end up leaving your team one way or another. Um, young guys got to step up both on the field and, uh, and in the locker room. Mike, I got to ask you about this. The headline put out by the CFL today, a new CFL football for a new CFL season. New ball features different leather, but same laces and markings. It's my understanding, and I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, it's my understanding that this ball is going to look the same when fans watch games in persons or on TV, but what do you know about the new ball, and can you describe to people uh, how it might feel or behave differently? Yeah, yeah. So people aren't going to notice anything different when they see the ball in terms of the eye test. It's going to look the exact same as the footballs have in the past. Um, They started, I want to say, two years ago, coming out with different prototypes and and sending them to the teams. You know, I know Dwayne um, had a bunch of different footballs in the last couple of years that they had that the league had sent him uh, for me to check out and, and just kind of toy around with. So I usually spent, you know, the early parts of the offseason throwing these different footballs around and seeing how they felt. The one that they ended up going with was, my understanding is that it's basically the Duke football, the, you know, the ball that the NFL uses. It's that same leather, um, which is a little different from the CFL ball that we've been using. Um, but, you know, the input that I think a lot of us, uh, you know, I know I talked to Bo about it. I talked to Nichols about it. Um, you know, and the way that I felt about it was, you know, I've thrown a lot of the NFL footballs, you know, when I was down there playing in the NFL. And the one thing that I hated about it was that the, the laces were always different. They were super inconsistent because they're literally just little, like, quarter-inch wide strips of leather uh, that are laced through the football. And so... Uh, with any kind of, you know, natural material like that, you're going to get, uh, you know, some inconsistencies. So the laces always felt way different from football to football. But with our, our footballs, we use, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, like a synthetic type material, but uh, a composite or something that, um, you know, they use to make the laces. And so they're all identical. And so that's what we really liked about our football was that every football felt consistently the same when it came to the laces. Um, but the leather was was what was feeling inconsistent with the ball itself. So I think with this new football, uh, you know, the leather itself is going to be more consistent. What I've heard is that it it stands up better in the colder weather. Um, you know, but the the part that we're really concerned about the laces are going to stay the same. So I think that's a good situation for for us. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to throw whatever's out there on the field. I think that's how a lot of the guys feel. You know, during practice, you notice how how different the footballs feel. But once you're out there playing in the game. You've got so many things to worry about, uh, about what the defense is doing and all that stuff. You don't have time to worry about the football. But, uh, you know, I'm sure if you have Ryan King on, he'll be super excited about this change because <laughs> special teamers, especially long snappers, they got nothing but time on their hands. So they sit there and they worry about these footballs day and night. And so I'm sure that for him, and, and Whitey's probably the same way, uh, you ask Kinger or you ask Whitey, I'm sure they'll tell you every little less specification of these new footballs because how special teamers operate, man. All right. That's uh, 
That's a good answer. Uh, that is, uh, people will find this interesting, and that, that's a cool explanation about the, the feel of the laces and the leather for sure. Mike, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, I know next time we talk, it'll probably be uh, closer to training camp or during training camp. I hope you have a great time at CFL Week in Winnipeg. Safe travels, man. All the best. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll, be, uh, I'll text you later on to your... Uh... <laughs> Your desk phone, yeah. landline. Didn't even know those existed, but uh, cool, man. That is Mike Riley checking in tonight, Eskimos quarterback here on Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Uh, obviously, he'll be uh, one of the more popular guys for fans and media to talk to at CFL Week in Winnipeg. Good explanation of the new football and talking about Bowman and Willis going on to uh, other teams as well. Riley will be ready for the season. I don't think there's any uh, any doubt about that. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet, you can text 6.30, 6.30, the phone number 780-496-0063. Dirk says, uh, hi. I read, I believe, with the Oilers not getting enough power play time, it's very difficult to get into a groove and work out the kinks. But from afar, it looked to me like the Oilers didn't get enough shots and net front traffic during power play time. I'm sure this will be assessed, uh, addressed during the offseason. Please bring in a big shot, someone willing to play dirty in front. That's from Dirk. Fair comment there. Bretsky says, uh, hi, Reed. Garbage time. Why would anyone buy a seat for a garbage game? So many people covering hockey are saying the remaining games are garbage games. I know you're a very fair broadcaster, but I would never say that myself. Well, Bretsky, I, I, I accept that critique. Um, I, I guess in my mind, I wouldn't feel if I would be fair if I didn't call them garbage time. I mean, I think we know for the Oilers, there's nothing on the line in terms of the positioning for their draft lottery odds. Uh, I mean, this isn't last year where they're trying to get home ice advantage down the stretch or maybe even finish first in the division. I don't think they'd quite clinched yet with with 10 games. And and I think the point I'm making there, Bretzky, in terms of... Because Jordan called in and asked about team psychology and maybe playing a little looser and, and being able to play better now that the pressure is off. I think the point I'm really making there is I want you to think of it this way. What's easier to make? A seven-foot putt when you're out with your buddies for a fun round of golf or a seven-foot putt to win the Masters? I think we know which one has more pressure and and you'd, you'd feel a lot lighter trying to make it. And I think that's what's with the Oilers. They're in a lighter situation now. And they didn't deal with the pressure of the high-pressure putt very well earlier in the season. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Blue Jackets and Bruins going at it. 4-4, three and a half minutes left. Predators shut out the Sabres. 4-0. Philip Forsberg gets his 21st. Panthers lead the Canadians 1-0 after 2. LA up 2-1 on Minnesota late in the second period. Flames and Coyotes will start in half an hour. The Edmonton Oilers play Carolina tomorrow. They've called up defenseman Dylan Simpson from the farm on an emergency basis. The Oilers' blue line looking pretty banged up. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. WHL regular season is over. Playoffs start on the weekend. The three best teams in the Eastern Conference 
all in the same division. Moosejaw, 109 points. Swift Current, 103. Regina, 87. Regina going to host the Memorial Cup. Moosejaw and Swift Current powerhouse clubs. I'm pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Swift Current Broncos, Manny Vivrios. Manny, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Man, the Western Hockey League playoffs look like they're going to be really exciting. But before we, we dive into that... You're, you're an Edmontonian. You've never lost the roots here, obviously. And uh, as a guy heavily involved in the hockey community, I'm sure you were paying as much attention as you could to the University Cup over the weekend and the Golden Bears bringing another title back for uh, Edmonton. Does that still give you a, a sense of pride, even though your hockey career is uh, taking you all around Canada, all around the world? No, it certainly does. I was uh, had a chance to on the weekend uh, watch uh, watch the games and especially yesterday the final game and uh, there is a little bit of a uh, connection between the Golden Bears and our club also too. We both have the same uh, uh, goaltender coach uh, Dave Rothschild who works with the U of A and also with our club and uh, he's done an outstanding job for the year that he's been with our our team with our goaltending and also obviously with the U of A. Uh, he's done an outstanding job and I know Serge a little bit. I've got to meet him over the years uh, through uh, the hockey connections. At Edmonton and uh, an outstanding gentleman and a great coach and very happy for them and the whole program in Stan Marple. Well, and we should touch on too, there, there's, I mean, the, the players in, in Major Junior who get most of the attention are the guys who are drafted, the high draft picks or the, you know, the 17, 18, 19 year olds who are having big seasons and are likely to play in the NHL someday. But there's, uh, there are a lot of guys who are being recruited possibly to play U sports. And it's pretty competitive in the West with, uh, you know, the Albertas and Saskatchewans and Calgary's and, and plus even some of the uh, ACAC teams now are, are, you know, trying really hard to get top guys. Uh, McEwen and Nate just played in the Alberta final. So what's your relationship like Manny with some of the post-secondary schools are they constantly uh, wanting information about players from you too? Well, they certainly are. They're always, uh, throughout the year, they're asking us, uh, you know, potentially some of the kids that want to go into uh, post-secondary education. And uh, they certainly have uh, a great opportunity in the universities in, in Canada to, to excel, uh, obviously, academically, but also uh, continue with their hockey career. And, uh, you know, been over in Europe for so many years, uh, have an opportunity that a lot of these kids that uh, after they're done uh, their four years or three years of university hockey gone on to over Europe and had outstanding uh, hockey careers over the years for uh, in Europe for many many years and uh, it is a really good league. I had an opportunity to see it a few years ago live a couple games and I couldn't believe how good the Canadian University hockey is and uh, you know Reed, just from watching some, some of the kids that graduated from our team last year that played in the uh, uh, U, U Hockey uh, League this year, um, some of these kids are, as far as I'm concerned, were also uh, you know just by chance never got a contract but they were just as good or even better than some of the other players in my opinion that got contracts uh, throughout the league so that's how good that league is and uh, it's you know it's a great opportunity to get education and still continue the career. Manny Viveros joining us on Inside Sports tonight okay so the WHL playoffs you're getting ready to roll here uh, man, I, the the regular season was <laughs> was a pretty big grind. I mean, Moose Jaw one oh nine. I'm talking points here. Uh, one oh three for you guys. Eighty seven for Regina. Just take us through, first of all, the race and the competitiveness of uh, of the regular season. First of all, in the East Division, because there's a lot of power teams out there. 
No, this is, uh, you know, I've only been in the league now for a year and a half. And, uh, you know, talking to my, my staff, who have been here for quite a few years. They said this is the first time in a long time where the East Division has been so strong, so to speak, especially in the, in the Western Hockey League. Um, and there's any team uh, anywhere from one through, uh, you know, uh, through six on our on our side here uh, could beat anybody on any given night here. So there's a, certainly a lot of parity. Maybe later on towards the year that there's a little bit of separation. But that separation... Uh, maybe point-wise wasn't so much, uh, you know, in the actual games. And uh, it's going to be real, real exciting and tough uh, playoff coming up here uh, Coming up here with, our first of all, our opponent, Regina. Um, they, they made some significant changes uh, during the trade deadline to strengthen the hockey club. And they've been, uh, as far as I'm concerned, probably the best team in the West Hockey League over the last uh, five weeks. Well, yeah, and they finished the season hot, eight wins in their last ten. Uh, you guys uh, wound up six behind Moose Jaw for first place in the East. Is that, I mean, was that a big target for you guys to get the number one seed and, and maybe try to get maybe a, uh, you know, a different matchup in the first round? Was that was that a goal for yours, or, or how did you look at so that positioning with Moose Jaw? No, it certainly wasn't. That's something that we were, you know, we were striving for. There was about ten days ago where we a really good opportunity that we we could have closed, and we did close in on them. Uh, just unfortunately, over the last week or uh, week or so, that uh, the opportunities that we had, we did not take advantage of as as a hockey team. But uh, you know, having said that, uh, we're okay. We're fine. Like you, again, you know, to get out of the East Division, you're going to have to beat everybody anyhow. And uh, the way we look at it, uh, you know, it's a challenge, and we're open to this challenge. And uh, eventually, you're going to have to meet those teams, uh, you know, whether it's in the first round or the second round here. So uh, we always feel that first round, no matter who you play, is always going to be the toughest. And uh, you know, we certainly uh, have so much respect for Regina and they're such a well-coached uh, hockey team. Uh, we know we're going to have to be our best if we want to get past them. Manny, you stepped up at the at the deadline and uh, made a bitty, pretty big trade with Lethbridge. You brought in goaltender Stuart Skinner, who was drafted by the Oilers in the third round in 2017. 9-14 save percentage since joining Swift Current. Take us a little bit through his play since he became a Bronco. So Stuart's been outstanding for us. He's played very well for us. Uh, you know, he's been uh, the reason why we went after uh, Stuart, and we and we kind of figured that Stuart's just going to be for us for a few months. We all uh, uh, figured he's going to be signed next year the Oilers organization. And, uh, but the reason why I went after Stewart because he went last year in a, a deep playoff round and he was one of the main reasons why they got so far. Uh, he was really, really good and, uh, and he has that experience. So we're able to bring him in as a 19-year-old and also free up the position to bring in a, a 20-year-old extra player up front for us. So it gives us a little bit more depth in our lineup here. But uh, Stewart's been really good. He's been very good for us. He's good in our room. He's been there before and he knows what it takes to do. Uh, you know, work on the ice and especially off the ice, too. So we're very, very confident, and uh, he's a very confident young man, and we're very excited to have him. You also picked up uh, Giorgio Estevan, who's uh, an Edmonton kid as well. He was uh, well over a point a game with Lethbridge and still uh, right around a point a game with uh, with you guys. Twenty, I think he's now 21, so it's 20 20-year-old season. How has uh, he done? Where did you slot him into the roster? Was like, Is this a case where... He's more of a depth guy for you than he might have been uh, with Lethbridge, or how did he fit in? 
Well, you know, the way we look at it, we uh, we we think that we have three, uh, you know, real solid lines that we call them. You know, they're all number one lines, so to speak. And with those three lines, we're not worried about putting them up against any of the team's top lines. So uh, we have three twenty-year-old centers with Glenn Godden and uh, Mateo Gennaro, uh, Saint Alba product, and also Giorgio Estevan. And uh, you know, uh, you can never have enough uh, quality centermen and experienced centermen. And those guys bring us that strength down the middle. So that gives it, a, it, in my opinion, gives it an advantage that I can put them out against anybody, uh, against anybody's opposition, and then not have to worry about it because these guys are responsibly defensively, and they also have offensive uh, upside also too. So uh, he's been very, very good for us also too, and he's also been deep in the playoffs. Manny, one more for you. What's it been like uh, in that market? I mean, obviously, uh, Swift Current, uh, a smaller community. I don't even know if the You'll correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even know if the population is 25,000 and one of the older WHL teams. What's it like in that community? What do the Broncos mean to Swift Current? Well, uh, actually, uh, we'd have to add another about another seven thousand people just to get to twenty-five. Oh, I'm way under. Okay, <laughs> or, or I'm way over, I guess. Okay, <laughs> it, it, it's been out. It's been it's been incredible since last year, uh, from Christmas on last year till this year. Um, our season tickets uh, have uh, really uh, you know taken off at the beginning of this season and uh, towards the trade deadline, uh, we've been sold out for almost the second half of the season here, to, all the way through the playoffs. Hopefully, a, a deep run. Community is just absolutely uh, ecstatic and behind us, and it's been absolutely. Uh, it's it's been always a playoffs atmosphere for the most last uh, month and a half here. So everybody's excited and behind the kids, and it's it's a lot of fun coming to the rink. And it's been a long time since uh, this rink has been sold out in the regular season for in many years. So uh, you know, it's 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 for a small market team, the smallest market team in all of Canada in the CHL. It, it's good to see the the fans and the, the, the city have such excitement for for their kids. Well, that's great to hear, and uh, this is shaping up to be a pretty exciting WHL playoff with the the East Division showdowns leading the way. All the best against Regina, Manny. I hope we can talk again, man. Have a good one. Thanks very much, Reed. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Nugent, the Oilers up against Carolina tomorrow. We have it for you on 6.30, Chad. Face-off show in the afternoon, 3.30, game at 5. Early one here in Edmonton as the Oilers are out east. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, of course, we're celebrating the U of A Golden Bears National Hockey Championship victory. Well, in the Alberta College ranks, it is the McEwen Griffins making it back-to-back men's ACAC titles. A 4-1 win over Nate on Sunday. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show the coach of the McEwen Griffins, a guy I used to cover in the AJHL when he would come to Lloyd Minster as a visitor, Mike Ringrose. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the show. This uh, this uh, situation with Nate, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty heated rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, obviously the two institutions are in pretty close proximity to one another, and um, you know, there's there's history dating back a couple of years now in the finals, and um, so you know certainly uh, they're a premier program in the ACAC, and they have been for a long time. And uh, McEwen over the last uh, five years has really 
started to um, push to, to be included in that conversation as well. And we certainly think that, um, you know, by winning our, our second um, consecutive championship here that uh, we, we consider ourselves a, a premier program as well. So definitely uh, a good rivalry there. What was this series like? I know it's a best out of three. It went the distance. I think the uh, the visiting team, I mean, your, all the games were in Edmonton, but playing the team playing in the uh, opponent's rank won uh, all the games. Take us through the series a little bit, Mike. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I thought we were we were pretty good early on in game one, and, um, you know, we were able to, to get a bit of a lead in, uh, in the second period of game one and, and hang on. They really pushed hard in the, in the third, but we were able to, to sneak one out in, in their rink on the, on the Friday. Um, they responded with a real good effort on the Saturday, um, back in our rink. And, you know, it was, it was a contested game right to, to the final buzzer, but, um, you know, they, they've got, you know, they work well coached and they've got a lot of character. So they pushed, they pushed back and, um, you know, it came down to, to one final game on the Sunday. Um, and, and for us, we were, uh, we're, we're able to score first, which was huge. And, um, you know, just, we just kind of, we built on that momentum and, um, you know, played probably our most complete game of the series to, uh, to finish the job in their ranks. So it was a, it was an exciting series for sure. Mike, where are you guys getting your players? Uh, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of guys played uh, played junior, but are we talking WHL, more uh, AJ or SJ? Where are the guys coming from? A mix of all those places. So, um, you know, I think that over the last three, four years, you've started to see a lot more Western Hockey League players in, in the ACAC League. The league's, the league's incredibly um, tight, so they're... Uh, in, in my mind, there were you know probably five teams that had an opportunity to win um, this year. Uh, we were fortunate to you know to be able to get through a real tough Red Deer uh, college team in, in the semifinals, and, um, and you know and then and Naves obviously a, a good program as well. But you know we're we're recruiting primarily out of the, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and, and kind of those Western Provincial League a little bit from from Saskatchewan and BC as well. All right, Mike Ringro is joining us, coach of the McEwen Griffins men's hockey team. They won the ACAC title last night. Uh, look, I, I know as a coach you hate to single out guys, but, but uh, on a talk show I only have so much time. But uh, we were talking a bit this afternoon. You have a couple of guys with really cool stories and journeys, don't you? Yeah, so you know, our, our captain, Ryan Ben, uh, is the fifth year. He is uh, a walk-on, so he's a, this is a guy that you know five years ago he, he wasn't playing junior A, he was playing junior B. Um, you know, came to McEwen to, to get an education, walked on, tried out, made the team, and um, you know five years later he's he's been the captain of the of the last two championship teams. He's the all-time leading scorer for the program, and he, he's you know just an incredible uh, leader and uh, role model for. For the players that have come through, um, he certainly left his mark on uh, on the program. So, you know, it, being my first year, it was it was pretty special to to walk into that kind of culture and and to have a, a leader or a captain that you know had that kind of hardworking background and, and history, um, very well respected around the university. So that you know that that story is uh, a pretty good one. Um, you know, we've got our, our goaltender. Um, Mark Olivier Degg, who who was at the University of Alberta, transferred to McEwen, um, you know, and and has had just a, a stellar career. Uh, the last uh, this last season, he, he ended up as a, a first team All Star, and um, you know, he was he was the playoff MVP as well. And then 
um, you know, a, a guy, Brett, Brett Naw, who's, um, he was the, he, he was named the ACAC player of the year and, and just had a phenomenal playoff for us as well. So, um, you know, those, those three guys, um, in particular have kind of unique or, or neat stories. And it just shows you how, you know, there's, there's different paths that you, you can take, but, um, you know, all these guys end up on, on one spot on one roster and, and it turns out to be a, a pretty, pretty unique group, uh, and mix. Mike, uh, we're we're in the last couple minutes here. I wish we could. We'll have to try to do this again. But just before we let you go, I mean, I remember watching you as a player. You were a really good AJHL player. So it's cool to, to kind of reconnect with you again. But what was there always the appeal of getting into coaching for you, even ten, twelve years ago when you were playing junior A, or what was that journey like? Yeah, I always kind of knew there was something I wanted to do. My, you know, my dad did it. Um, he always he coached us growing up in in the Edmonton area here and uh, I've got I've got two younger brothers that played as well so you know that I, I knew it was something I wanted to do uh, I was fortunate to get an opportunity Brett Cox gave me an opportunity to to coach in the Alberta Junior Hockey League as a, an assistant coach really early on um, you know and I, I I'm fortunate that I got that chance and uh, I spent time at, at Vimy Ridge Academy as well um, you know working with a number of coaches and it's crazy how many uh, elite level coaches have come through that program um you know tim fraggle who's obviously at nate but uh steve hamilton who's with the oil kings ryan marsh who's with the oil kings um you know dustin schwartz who's the goalie coach with the edmonton oilers we were all there at the same time so it was a it was a unique uh, opportunity to really learn from some some great hockey minds and um you know i i certainly don't take that uh, that for granted when i look back on it so uh, it's something that I wanted to do, and you know, I, I I'm glad that that I'm getting the opportunity to continue to do it every day, and um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what the future holds here for for McEwen. Mike, uh, quickly here, and I know you want to probably do this. Did the women win as well? They did, yeah. So that's uh, the, I think it's the first time, and someone tweeted at me it's the first time in history that uh, an ACAC uh, institution has defended uh so two years in a row the, the men and the women both won so um you know that's that's nice and, and lindsey McAlpin does a great job with the with the women's program there so we were we were excited uh excited to be part of that awesome stuff mike thanks for coming on congratulations thanks Reed. mike ringrose McEwen griffins win the ACAC men's hockey title and as you heard him say the women won as well you can get more on 630chad.com I'll talk to you at 330 tomorrow for the Oilers game 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad